We're popping next door for the redemption of a rogue and we're feeling guilty because it's finally time to die. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect. And this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Hello and welcome to Off Screen. Let's keep it cinematic. And boy, you don't get more cinematic than a week when a new Bond movie comes out. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to hold you in a little bit of suspense, though, because it's not going to be the first thing we talk about. We've got some other great movies on our slate for you this week as well. And we are kicking off with The Guilty Van, aren't we? Yeah, so this one, this is a remake of you know a film called The Guilty. It was a Danish film from about three years ago that did get like it was it was pretty buzzy for a you know foreign language thriller at the time. And the story is you've got a disgraced copper who's been sort of demoted, like pending investigation. He's working in the call center effectively. Although I don't know how small American emergency services call centers are because it seems to be like three guys manning the phone, which is the most yeah, but like, a yeah. giant room. Yeah. Big, <laughs> yeah, big room, three guys. Yeah. <laughs> Three guys and a supervisor. That's emergency services in LA during an apocalyptic wildfire as well. So Jake yeah. John Hall's the demoted copper in this case. Uh, he receives an emergency call from a woman who claims to be in the process of being kidnapped. She's in the trunk of the car, has gotten her phone. I think she's being she's in the back of the car. So she's been told she uh, she can call a kid and she phones nine one one instead. And Jake John Hall's the operator who, against all the odds and using only the power of his mind and research and this telephone, must find a way to. Save the day. 911, what is the address of your emergency? I just want to talk to you. Okay, I'm hanging up. Just stop for a drive, sweetie, okay? Is there someone with you? Uh huh. Is the person you're with know you called us? No. Who do they think you called? Your child? Yes, sweetie. Does the person you're with have a weapon? Yes. I need the color of the car, okay? When I say the right one, say it's fine. Red? White? It's fine. Is it a car? No, just yes or no, just yes or no answers, Emma. I'm sorry, I have to hang on. Give me the phone right now. I'm gonna die. Do you know what? There was a film with Halle Berry a few years ago. I can't remember what it was called. Do you know what it it was? The Call. I remember The Call. <laughs> the Call was a th- it was because it, WWE Studios bought it and distributed it. That's why I remember it. Because weird, right. it's a Halle Berry movie distributed by. World Wrestling Entertainment, which is yeah. bonkers. Sorry, continue. Yeah, so it's a very similar premise. She mm. it, it, she plays um, this emergency service operator and deals with certain issues that arise. And yeah, similar kind uh, of setup, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and the the thing that you need to remember about the guilty is that it's pretty much Jake Gyllenhaal as a one hander. <laughs> in an office right so if you're expecting from what you've just heard from that clip lots of car chases the views of you know a a girl in trunk all that kind of stuff you're not going to get it are you and you you are though in a different in, in a sense that you wouldn't quite expect now, and it works quite well as a sort of a radio play. It's like watching Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. listening to a radio play and him sort of acting his response, and it worked quite well because there are action sequences that take place on the other end of the phone, for instance, that we hear, and there is that confusion, and there is that that terror of the uncertainty of knowing what's going on, and he, he sells it really well. It's also worth worth mentioning as well, I, and I, I can't figure out why this is the case, but Jake Gyllenhaal is cut in this movie, like he. 
I mean, like like Southpaw style. Like that dude is shredded in this movie. Good for him. He's been he's been using COVID well. He's been <laughs> he's been training for another for another boxing movie, hasn't he? <laughs> but um, you know, this kind of format can work because um, mm. is it the Tom Hardy movie Lock? Is it Lock? Lock. Yeah, that Lock. was the Stephen Knight one. Yeah. Yeah, where he was in a car. That's all you're watching is just him talking and on a phone call throughout the whole, you know, film. And yet somehow it's incredibly engaging. And I think it kind of works well here as you're watching. I wouldn't say desperation is the right word, but, but basically there's the frustration that he's been demoted. There's the immediacy of the fact that he's discovered this woman who is obviously in this situation. There's the desperation because all the patrol cars basically are like following protocol and going, <laughs> if you can't yeah. give me a solid you know, place to be, reason for moving, I can't get the sirens going and, cl- and get this girl. And it's kind of this race against time to save her. And that's what get- gets that tension going, which I quite liked. There is that, and I think it's. I think John Hall's great in it, and I think Antoine Fuqua directing, which, by the way, makes this a Fuqua film. I love that. His, <laughs> his company is literally named Fuqua Films. Um, I, I think his, his very assured, reliable, steady, but quite energetic direction does work a treat here. He knows how to ratchet up tension, and it works with this sort of high-concept thriller. It's a high-concept bottle thriller, really. I will say, I think there is a very... And, and I hope this is because the film was locked a long time ago. I made that joke about, you know, COVID, he's used his COVID wisely. I think this was done before COVID, possibly. Mm. I'd have to check. But there is a decision made as regards the adaptation of this, of this movie, and specifically a change in the ending, that seems after the last year of real world events to be obscenely obscenely tone deaf i think yeah yeah and uh, do you know what that this 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 movie is probably not going to set your world on fire I think it's... There's a fire in it, though, isn't there? There is There is a massive fire in it. There's a huge wildfire in LA in it. Um, but it might not set your world on fire. I mean, it is. it was unlimited theatrical release. It's now, yeah, going through yeah, to, to streaming it's Netflix, on Netflix. It's Netflix today, but there's been some limited showings, you know, in your Curzons and your Picture yeah. Houses and things like that. Which might be because the they're looking for that little run for awards, maybe for Gyllenhaal, who knows? Uh, but ultimately, I'm not sure it's strong enough for that. But if you're liking a good, easy easy thriller to watch and obviously if you're into Jake Gyllenhaal you're going to see him for 145 minutes or 130 minutes um, on, on I think it's screen. quite I think it's quite tight because it's like real time because it's about the 90 minute mark let me just go on to oh, something really quickly let me go something real quickly then because we've only got about two and a half minutes for this and I don't want to do a disservice to this film which I think just deserves all the praise in the world this is another one that's like 90 minutes odd and is actually kind of a real time thing as well so directed by in his directorial debut Daniel <laughs> Bruhl so you know, Spanish Spanish German thesp Daniel Bruhl, the man who became a meme this year for his sexy disco dancing in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, he stars here as well in his directorial debut as himself, imaginatively enough. It's the morning that he's got a big screen test for a new sort of a superhero-like movie where he plays a character called the Dark Man, not 
you know, Sam Raimi's Darkman, presumably. Uh, but it's, it, this all plays as a sort of a Birdman-like dramedy, a meta-dramedy. And he, he wants to read the single line, the single page of lines that they've allowed him to have from the secretive script. And in order to find peace and quiet, he goes into his local Berlin bar, because he lives in Berlin, goes to yeah. the local bar as he waits for a cab to take him to the airport. And he's got like an hour to kill. He's trying to go through his his lines. He's having you know some charming, working working his charm on the the the, man, the, the landlady, etc. Then he meets a guy who claims to live next door to him, an old man named Bruno. And Bruno says, "I'm your neighbour. Do you know what your wife gets up to when you're not around? Do you know what your your nanny gets up to when you're not around? Do you know?" What? And this guy, over the course of the next hour and a half, and bear in mind, Daniel Bruhl's done everything in this movie except write it, and I have to believe he had a hand in that as well. For the next hour and a half, Daniel Bruhl's entire life is utterly dismantled by this man. <laughs> to the absolutely absurd extreme, and you know this for a fact, that I text you about 45 minutes into this movie going, you've got to watch this. I'm halfway through this, and I'm honestly unsure if they're not going to have to drop some sort of supernatural reveal to, yes. to just explain some of this away. Because it gets to a stage where, is he meant to be the devil? Is the yeah, devil... this? You- is this the devil and Daniel Brule? Is that what's happening? It's fantastic. It's all in. It's literally two German men sat around a table having convers- having a conversation that's subtitled for an hour and a half, and it's absolutely brilliant. It is so well acted. It's so well. They use all of this bar. Every corner of this bar gets you know brought out and used for you know, some sort of grand grand set. It's great. I loved it. I think would it work is, honestly. As, yeah. Would it work as a stage play? I think it would, and I wouldn't be surprised to see if it had found out that it had big, you know, began life as a as a stage play at the very least. But the way it has been brought to life, because they do go outside of the bar and come back, kind of thing, I, I think is really, really well done. I, I cannot recommend this highly enough. Like I say to you, uh, you said you didn't think you'd have time to watch it, and as I said to you, and I'll say it again. Watch this for your own enjoyment, Bex. This is yeah. absolutely, and if nothing else, you're going to come away from this going. If I didn't before, I now love Daniel Bruhl. This is this is Daniel Bruhl's Birdman. As I said before, this is Bruhl Man. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we took you on a wild ride with Jake Gyllenhaal. We also took you on an even wilder, more bonkers ride with Daniel Bruhl. And now we are taking you on the ultimate ride, which is the Bond ride. Um, you know, it's it's the big one. We've been waiting. It's been delayed three times since April 2020. And now there is no time to die. And Van went and saw it. What did you think? <sighs> Uh, yeah, I, I have complex answers, complex answers. I, I, <laughs> let's just talk about the film first. Okay. okay so fifth time No spoilers. No, no spoilers. spoilers. No, no spoilers, naturally. And you know what? It is strange to me that it's a symptom of the Daniel Craig era that you can say that about a Bond film because that used to be the thing that you couldn't spoil a Bond film. That was kind of the, the charm of them. But uh, anyway, so fifth, fifth and final time out of the gate for Daniel Craig as James Bond. This time, following yet another retirement from the Secret Service, which I think is now the third. Is that his third time in retirement since he yeah, was Yeah, he just tries to leave and just doesn't Ga- ever manage Guy it. just, he lives so hard. He needs so many holidays. Anyway, so... Uh, third time out of retirement for James Bond in the fifth movie since he was a rookie agent and this time he's asked by uh, Felix Leiter, Jeffrey Wright his trusted friend who he met for that hour in the casino 15 years ago um, to go on a mission to protect a scientist and 
Yeah, because he's the only person he can trust based on that hour in that casino they spent 15 years ago. And he goes and meets the scientist, and this, this all brings him into the crosshairs of Rami Malek, who I think is meant to be in his late 50s, early 60s, if you believe the continuity of this one film. And uh, he's this, he's, I think he's Lucifer Savin, I think his name. It's spelt funny in Russian, but I think it's Lucifer Savin, a man with a sort of you know, plaster mask over his face who has this this special weapon, we shall say, that has unique ties to Bond and everything that he holds dear, which, wouldn't you know, it threatens the world. And in the midst of all this, you've got Bond himself as well, who has to contend with the fact that he's been replaced at this time. Because unlike the last few times he retires, this time they haven't actually just gone and kept his desk empty. They've actually gone and, like, you know promoted a new 007, who's Lashana Lynch. So James Bond comes back, but he's no longer 007. He's literally, as they say at one point, double O nothing. Here's him and Lashana, the way, way cooler 007. You seem like a man who's gagging for some action, Mr. Bond. Shall we cut to the chase? I'm here as a professional courtesy. Well, you're not very courteous, are you? You've broken my car. It's Commander Bond. You know that. Double O? Two years. Very young. High achiever. Oh, Jesus Christ. The world's moved on since he retired, Commander Bond. Perhaps he didn't notice. No, can't say I had. And in my humble opinion, the world doesn't change very much. You had to say that. Look, this all seems like heaven. This little bubble or whatever. <laughs> oh, I quite like that little tete-a-tete. <laughs> there's, there's some spark, isn't there? There is, there is yeah. some spark there, not just from her, and she's great. Like, for, for, the, for the first time that I can genuinely remember, when they've wheeled out the now requisite, oh, these two Bond girls this time around are not your traditional Bond girls. These are the ones that do, you know that one that they do in yeah, the press yeah, yeah. every single time. And you're forced to sit there through a five minute interview with Denise Richards where she explains how a woman in hot pants named Christmas Jones is every bit Bond's intellectual and societal equal. You know, that kind of garbage. Um, well, turns out LaShawn Lynch, uh, to a very, very small extent as well, Anna Diarmis, actually live up to that hype. Lashana certainly does. She's great. And as you can hear in that clip as well, Daniel Craig, most comfortable he's ever been in this role. Mm. And I think that is a sign of his age. I think that's his age bringing him to that place because like Bond in the film, he's in a very different place. Yeah, he's about to step into Benoit Blanc once again. That's the thing. Now you get the impression that Daniel Craig feels like he's appreciated because of Knives Out. Yeah. Because he actually has mainstream fans in Knives Out now. So you yeah. do feel like there's a confidence that's come with that, that he's brought yeah. to Bond. And it works. It does work. He's got, and as I've said before, he's got the most acting that any Bond has had to do in any of the cool. movies, to be fair. Having said that, I don't think, I still don't think this is a particularly good film for the same reasons I don't think Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace or Spectre were particularly very good films, which is, I'm sorry, what's the goddamn point of the story? What, what am I watching? He's wait. Where's so? Hang on. You've got a beginning. There's a faint hint of a middle. There's not really an end. There's just some stuff happens, but because it's shot for IMAX, we have to lord it. Okay. Cool. Cool. Oh, interesting. Um, you've well, then I have to, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You've then also got a script that insists on reminding you that a better Bond movie exists. And I don't mean in that almost incidental Tomorrow Never Dies, The Spy Who Loved Me way, where we didn't realise we just remade the movie. We're sorry. What they do here is constantly refer to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I mean, the score starts playing We Have All the Time in the World. Bond himself says We Have All the Time in the World. The movie includes, at one point, the song from 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service. We have all the time in the world. I'm willing to bet if anyone asked anyone what the time was at any given point in the movie, the screenwriting on this is so ramshackingly lazy that they would have gone, oh, it's all the time in the world. Why they do this, I couldn't tell you, because the continuity on this is written in such a very specific way as Daniel Craig is the only Bond that ever existed. And then there are all these weird Easter eggs, like Bernard Lee gets dropped in there. Judy Dench gets... Judy Dench you can understand because she's been in Daniel Craig movies. Bernard Lee, you know, who hasn't been M since Timothy Dalton, apparently exists as part of it. And you're watching all this thinking, why are you doing this? You are literally doing... You're creating the Robocop problem for yourself. You are placating an audience that mentally is not here. Even if they have actually shown up, mentally, they're not watching your movie. They're not watching a Bond movie, they're watching your movie. Your movie isn't their Bond movie. Why have you done this? And it's infuriating all the way through. You've got very, very shoddy writing as well that now falls back on this tried and tested archetype of you're the only person I can trust. You know, you're my lifelong friend. You met for an hour 15 years ago, he screwed you over. Three years after that, you met for an hour again. In fact, you met for literally 30 seconds, if memory serves, because it's literally done in the trailer, and you screwed him over. Your entire collective body of societal interaction is confined to an hour and 30 seconds of you, of, of two instances of you screwing each other over. How does this work? Then there's Vesper Lind. Let's go back to Vesper Lind. If I were this hung up on a one weekend long hookup I had in Switzerland, in the mid-noughties, you'd think I was clinically insane. But no, this is the defining character trait of James Bond, who, let us not forget, has now been, you know, 007 for a collective amount of time that was seen to amount for at most two or three years in a 20-year-long career, from which he went to rookie, from rookie to retired agent or whatever the hell he's going to be, because I still can't tell you what the ending of this movie is. I've seen it, couldn't tell you what it is. And he's done all this, having only done the job cumulatively for less time than most of us take to pay off an iPhone. Having said that, if you're a fan of Daniel Craig, you probably enjoy this. Uh, well, there's <laughs> not much more to say. I do have a plethora of questions, but actually we've run out of time because sorry, I've been I, ranting. I my own rule, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Um, guys, I think with Bond, it's each to their own. Some, you know, there are very varying uh, reviews out there so go go see it out of curiosity see what you make of it Van devil's, what? Devil, devil's advocate it delivers on the scope it delivers on the scale it delivers on the action if you are a fan of the Daniel Craig movies you're going to love this it is not as good as Skyfall not, probably not as good as Casino Royale but it's definitely better than the other two okie dokie right just have okay. a good song this time as well Okay, good, good. Mm. That's why Billie Eilish is, is, is who she is. Um, <laughs> uh, right, so moving on to Redemption of a Rogue. Very different from Bond. In, well, actually, yeah. Uh, it's a black comedy about a prodigal son who returns to his home da- uh, t- hometown to seek salvation from, uh, I suppose, all of his sins. However, his dad passes away, leaves him with a number of things that he has to complete, and it all goes <laughs> a bit wrong. <laughs> Love is the only thing that can heal, Jimmy. You know, the cure to pain is pleasure. Jimmy, we believe that the strange phenomenon... Phenomenon. Top situation is linked to you having your dead father in your freezer. Our town is dying. You need to bury him and end this plague once and for all. So this is this is good fun, right? It's very different to what we've just been talking about. It is mm. good fun. Um, 
I want to talk, sort of focus on the, the way it's shot and yes. the, the, because I think that's the most exciting thing about this in a way. It's a really good uh, looking film, isn't it? Doesn't it have something that it looks like an expensive, like Edgar Wright thing at times, isn't it? Well, it also very much, you can see those kind of um, quips back to, to like lock stock and snatch and the Guy Ritchie sort of hand in terms of shots. But I, I quite liked that because, I mean, it's not just Guy Ritchie that can do that kind of stuff. Oh, no, but, of course. But when, you, when you're talking about a little, a, like a rogue, a ruffian who comes back and, you know, they're taking the mick out of themselves. Like there's things like um, a suitcase that he's holding or something has some, some lettering on it and then it like falls down and reveals like sinner or I can't remember what it says mm, yeah. but it's it's just little quite clever little things it's a quirky little movie it's an Irish movie as you probably talk, can tell from the the clip but um Aaron Monaghan and Ashling O'Mara are the leads in this and I think they kind of play things really well did you enjoy it man they do work I, I mean I don't I think the film is a, a, the film is a sum of some really good parts but the, the t- it doesn't quite come together with those parts yeah I mean the individual components like you point out about the, the, the visuals and things like that, I think the individual components are great. I think this does play like what would happen if you try to get Guy Ritchie to direct an episode of Bally Kiss Angel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like Guy Ritchie's <laughs> Father Ted. Guy Ritchie's yeah. Father Ted is literally what you what would come out as this movie. If you said, you know, I hear you're a director now, Father. You know, I think you would get this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, I'm with you. And there's, yeah. you know, and that's what, there are certain parts in this that you will chuckle at and find, yeah. you know, and it is a black comedy and I think it plays that route really well. I mean, if you look at Aaron Monaghan in real life, he does, he, he he's not the ruffian and the rogue that he is portrayed oh, on screen. Man, he? yeah. It's good. yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, this is a good transformation for him. I think the writer, Philip Doherty, uh, and he's also directs it actually um, has done a really really good job in, in terms of bringing this together for the budget that they most likely have and I think that's the bit that needs to be commended on this but ultimately this is a movie that will give you a few tweaks and quirks and things that you might enjoy because of the aesthetic of it um, it's an easygoing movie it's an hour and a half long something you might enjoy if you're looking for something different Welcome back to Off Screen, and this time we're keeping you on the couch, we're turning on the telly, we're putting our feet up, and we're seeing what's on Freeview for the next seven days. And we're starting with a rollicking musical time for Saturday night, because on Channel 4, and I just, this, this was quite quiet as well, Channel 4, 9pm Saturday night, is I believe the UK TV premiere of Rocket Man, Dexter Fletcher's Ooh. 2019 Elton John uh, musical biopic starring, it was Taron Egerton, wasn't it? Who yeah, it was. Yeah, Taron yeah. Egerton. Does, yeah. Try and jog my memory for me. He does the singing, doesn't he, in this? That's the whole thing. Oh, I thought you were going to go, try and jog my memory. He plays Elton John, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be Richard Madden. I'm not going to get the two confused in this one. That's what it is. Um, I do think he does the songs, but obviously, yeah, I think he does in this. Um, and he's very good. He's very good. It's on Channel 4 at 9 o'clock on Saturday. Um I am not a massive fan of Rocket Man, I have to be mm. honest, but I do appreciate it. I think it is quite a self-indulgent, self-funded uh, homage to myself. I've got the well, biggest I, ego in the world. That just, isn't that just what you comes with the expectation of anything associated with it Elton John? It does. Yeah. No, it does. But when you look at award season and how Elton John courted every oh. single award show, you kind of go, come on, guys, give us some Oscars, give us something, and he got nothing. Um, and it's just interesting to show because I don't think the film holds up to the marketing mm. that he was pushing around it. So, yes, Taron Egerton, 
excellent in this. It's good fun. If you liked Bohemian Rhapsody, I would say the thing is, is that Bohemian Rhapsody is more linear than uh, Rocket Man and uh, in its style. So Rocket Man goes very abs- absurd and, you know, bonkers in parts um, as they flash back to, I don't know, like there's, there's a bit where there's lots of people crawling on the floor covering Elton John. It feels like much more a musical theatre than uh, Bohemian Rhapsody does. But, the, you know, that whatever floats your um, boat. I'm really wishing our clip was a bit less dramatic now. What's this? Hmm? Number 11 in Italy. The song doesn't work, that's the problem. The record's coked out, M.O.R. The problem is you have never understood me and what I have to go through. And you know what? I should have sacked you when you left me. I am glad I left you. It means I can maintain some objectivity on your self-indulgent, myopic little world. Get in the studio and make some music or don't. I don't care. Well, you will when your money runs out. Do your worst. In fact, take me to court. You signed contracts with me years ago, so I'll still be collecting my 20% long after you've killed yourself. As much as I think that Taron Egerton is as is, is brilliant as Elton John in this, you know, mm. and we all know that he was completely and utterly immersed in this role and he was brilliant, Richard Madden, Jamie Bell, for me, are yes, the yeah, scene both very stealers. Good, yeah. yeah, so so look, Rocket Man, if you haven't seen it before, definitely worth a watch. There will be jazz hands. It will go down that route for you. It wasn't my cup of tea, but it might I, be I, uh, I actually enjoyed this to the extent that there were songs of Elton John's that I don't personally like, that I was actually just rocking along to. Like, I, I have no uh, particular love of Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Even that, I was well and truly in it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Saturday night, 9pm, I think I think it's a good one for the weekend, I think. But, good one for a Sunday, Bex. Give me some. Oh. Oh, yeah, of course. It's Mean Girls. What, what do, they wear on, <laughs> do they ever say what they wear on Sundays? It's easier if, they, if Mean Girls is airing on TV on a Wednesday, isn't it? Because you can wear pink. Yeah, but yeah. Sundays, I don't know. ITV2, 9 o'clock, Lindsay Lohan. It's kind of, it's the clueless of the 2000s, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the definitive uh, girls movie. It's got a burn book in it. You know, you've got Amy Poehler being the cool mum. And uh, there's, there's just so much to this. And actually it's got a musical number that I prefer to Rocket Man. Um, so there's just, this, this is a film. Yeah. Uh, Santa baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's that one. Or is it? No. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, Santa Baby? Or was it rocking around? Oh, Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell Rock. Do you know what? Do you know what, Van? You're just going to have to watch it on Sunday night, aren't you? I am. I am. I'm absolutely... Do you know what, though? I'll tell you what I won't be watching. I will not be watching Mean Girls 2, the director-DVD sequel, that every streaming platform seems to keep pitching me as as if I would ever indulge. I've I've already watched Road Trip to Beer Pong, or whatever it was called. No, I'm not doing that again. But let's let's move on. What have we got for for Monday? We've got Mean Girls for Sunday night, which I think is a good Sunday night movie. Monday, oh, you picked another doozy here, Bex. So we've got, is it two months until the return of Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss in The Matrix Resurrections? This week, ITV4 are showing, I believe, the trilogy over successive nights, starting with our pick on Monday night, ITV4, 10 p.m. It is, of course, The Matrix. I won't lie to you, Neil. Every single man or woman who has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. Why? I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. What are you trying to tell me? 
that I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. I adore this movie. Um, I still think the Good. first Matrix is uh, the first Matrix is a benchmark of not just cinema but visual effects and even just even technology, just straight technology. Straight technology just had to be perfected. There were there were, there were game changing forms of, of digital photography and uh, image manipulation that were literally invented for this for this movie. And uh, so Monday night, ten like p.m. Uh, bullet time, for instance, well, popularized yeah. by this. I know it had existed in other things, but uh, this is one I think it's a good time to catch the trilogy. I think this week, you know, ahead yeah. of uh, ahead of the hoopla, because there's going to be a lot of hoopla. I think. Oh but my god, I can't wait! I, lo I lo like you, you know, Van. I think this came at a pinnacle time for us in terms of just at, uh, growing up, like late teens. Yeah. You know, like wanting to walk around in leather jackets and have a really oversized Nokia phone for no no re good reason because it was really rubbish. Um, but this is this was amazing, and for me, it just oh, uh, just made me just love movies even more. So ITV4 10 p.m. on Monday is The Matrix. Moving on to Tuesday. Van uh, mm -hmm. uh, swapped one of my picks out for this, and he's got a very good reason for it. My pick was Panic Room, right, which is also available on Tuesday. Van's pick for Tuesday is I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Last summer. Okay, first of all, my, my justification was that we had done Panic Room, I think, twice in the time since we'd talked about it. So I, I thought fair <laughs> enough. Okay, so I still know what you did last summer. The I think this is 1998, 99 perhaps, sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer, which was of course one of the front runners of the late 90s teen slasher uh, boom, which of course began with Scream. Now this is all coming to a head because this is the tw this this is the 25th anniversary this year of Scream. So we're going to start to see a lot of legacy pieces written on you know the, the teen slasher shot revival of the late 90s. So this is the sequel to arguably the the runner up of that movement, the Kevin Williamson scripted uh, I Know You Did Last Summer series, being made into an Amazon Prime series that drops this month, I believe, starring Madeline Iceman from Jumanji. Uh, this is, of course, the original roster with Jennifer Love Hewitt. This also stars Brandy and, oh, is it Mackay? I think Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay Pfeiffer. This is the movie where. Oh, and Freddie Prince Jr., of course, is, is you know, the sort of love interest. He's a returning character from the first one, as is Jennifer. You don't need to have seen the first one. Just know that there's a slasher after her for reasons. No one really cares. This is not a movie about plot. She goes on holiday with her college friends to a remote, I think it's like a Jamaican island. And whilst they're in this resort, there's a tropical storm, and wouldn't you know it, the killer comes by, looking to, you know, reconnect, you know, catch up, see how things have been, what everyone's been up to, and also, you know, slash some throats. Also, for reasons that we just can't possibly go into, Jack Black is in this movie as a raster. So, see the movie for that. Of course he's going to get killed because it's a slasher movie and he's a white raster. See it for that reason. Just for that, but also Mackay Pfeiffer drops a speech two-thirds of the way. He just drops a monologue two-thirds of the way through this movie while he's in a freezer. I think he's in a freezer, but it's just one of my favorite moments from a late 90s teen slasher movie. God bless him. His entire career, I will I will allow him to do whatever he wants just for this movie. Anyway, that's on the Horror Channel, Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday okay. night, we talked about this last week, as recently as last week, because of streaming. Selma is on BBC Two at 11.15. You know why we love this movie. Yeah. And uh, we, we won't remind you again. As recently as last week, we talked about how great this was and how overloaded it was. But Thursday, Bex, you've picked the Babadook, 9pm on BBC4. 
Yeah, I have because I think this this got a lot of hype about horror, you know, and, and I think the horror genre is so hard to get a good movie out of it because it's been done in so many different ways that when a film like The Babadook comes along, it, it, it kind of reignites people's passion for horror again. Now, I know you're a massive horror fan and you enjoy movies like this. I'd be intrigued to see how passionate you might have been about The Babadook and if you enjoyed it. I think it's an exceptionally well-crafted film from Jennifer Kent. I think that I, I actually weirdly preferred her second movie, which I forget the name of. Babadook the, the, 2? <laughs> no, 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 she did one. Oh, it was, it was really dark and really grim. I'll have to look it up. Nightingale, The Nightingale. Uh-huh. With, uh, that was the one that had Sam Claflin as the, the really awful British officer in the, uh, in the penal colony. Was running through. Okay. It, it, honestly, it was a horrible movie, but I, I preferred that to the Babadook. I think the Babadook is a really, really great movie, but I don't think it's, it's Nightingale good. But see it for yourself, BBC Four, Thursday night, 9pm. Before, of course, Friday night, 11.25, the perfect one to go out to the weekend with Bex. I'm going to just defer to you on this one, because I know this is going to be all you. It is Gwyneth Paltrow, it's 1998, it's that Aqua song, it's Sliding Doors. Well, that's the only reason why I chose it, for Gwyneth Paltrow's haircut and the Aqua song, Turn Back Time. I mean, what more do you need to know? Every teenage girl have that haircut in 98. Uh, yeah, I will raise my hand to that and yeah. say, yeah, I definitely went in with the photo of Gwyneth Paltrow to my hairdresser hmm. and said, I want that. And they went, it's not going to work. And I was like, OK. Um, First of all, nobody, nobody could pull their hair. Gwyneth Paltrow could pull that. Like, Victoria Beckham tried and failed to pull their hair. Only oh, my Gwyneth God. could pull that haircut off okay yeah Gwyneth, Gwyneth ruled it it was her Jennifer moment it was her it was answer. her Jennifer moment and you know what this was also John Hannah's this was John Hannah's leading man moment as well which yes. I think is is brilliant speaking of you know under normal circumstances etc you're really nice and funny my friend Anna thinks you're cute wait hold hold your friend Anna thinks I'm cute your friend Anna thinks I'm cute I just blew, wait, <sighs> 2.85, 2.85 and the wrong girl. Helen, listen, sometimes we are plonked into people's lives when they just need to be cheered up and reassured and it turns out that for some reason it's your job. We don't know why. In your case, it's my job. But I'll be honest, the fact that I find you moderately attractive just makes the job easier in my part. My intentions are completely honourable. I have no desire to overstep the mark. Seriously. I prefer diamonds or sapphires. Sorry. I mean, he sounds... Like, for me, that could have been James McAvoy to anyone who doesn't know. Like, <laughs> like that was John Hanna. But that was the brilliant John Hanna there. The brilliant Gwyneth Paltrow. I can't remember if that came out before or after Shakespeare in Love. I think it was after. Uh, before. Ah, oh, really? Before. I think it's just... It might just be before. It, because of the timing of the Aqua song, you remember it very specifically as to where it <laughs> fell on the calendar. And then, of course, you remember yeah. award season with Shakespeare in Love kind of anchors that on the calendar. So, you know, it was yeah. just before, It's just around that time. Anyway, amazing film from the late 90s. Um, one that I think anyone that grew up with that head, haircut will always remember. Uh, brilliant performance from both John Hanna and Gwyneth Paltrow. And definitely something that will wind up your week in style. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. We're taking you down the DVD and Blu-ray aisle. Now, obviously, these films I think are out on digital usually as well the same day, if not earlier. So, you know, we should put that up as a caveat. And this week, 
Well, wouldn't you know it, Bex? You have weeks and weeks where they release exactly naff all, and then you have a week where they dump everything out. So this coming <laughs> this coming Monday, which I think is the fourth of uh, of October, uh, we have well four big movies coming to uh, the DVD, which <laughs> are going to fourth. be <laughs> four on the fourth, four for four, four for four in ten. Yeah. Uh, so we've got Freaky, which is of course you know, its own thing, which is like a horror movie inverse of Freak Friday. We've got two from Disney in Free Guy and Jungle Cruise, and we've got one of my favourite movies of the year so far Nicolas Cage in Pig but uh, let, let's let's talk about you know, these let's, let's start them in order let's talk about Freaky first we want to clip for Freaky but let's just talk about it real quick uh, this yeah. was Vince Vaughn and what was her name Catherine Newton I want to say yes uh, I think it yeah. is Catherine Newton and this is basically the body swap Freaky Friday movie brought forward for 2021 2020 I can't remember when it was made but it's come out in 2021 it was good and it follows on from is it from ha- the makers of Happy Death Day? Happy, it's the same guy. It's Christopher Landon, I think, who made both the Happy Death Day movies. Yeah, so that like, was... What, yeah, what, what, horror, yeah. what horror twist can we put on this classic? In the same yeah. way that, uh, you know, the Happy Death Day had been, what horror twist can we put on Happy Death uh, on Groundhog Day? This is yeah. what horror twist can we put on Freaky Friday? Yeah. So, which is a, a good enough and idea, it's... but of course, go on. It's good fun, isn't it? And it's, it's you know, I actually don't think it's as strong as Happy Death Day, but no. I think the, the, the concept of it is really fun. And I think it's like, if you've got a friend or a husband, in my case, that gets really scared from horror movies, this is a good happy medium because it's just as funny as it is scary. Guys, he's here somewhere. He's wearing my body and he's wearing my face. He's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And if we don't capture him first... God knows how many people he's gonna kill. Whoa. What am I wearing? I'm actually really liking this for you. Stop right there. Okay, so but I'm going to leave you with that. Like, you might be wondering why Vince Vaughn is such a slightly higher, softer-pitched uh, female voice there. But um, you'll have to watch the movie to find out. Um, moving swiftly on. Actually, a movie that I've only, I saw for the first time quite recently, actually, and really enjoyed. It's Free Guy, uh, which um, I hadn't seen a while back. I hadn't seen uh, when everyone was talking about it. But I, I have to say, I watched this just the other night, and I chortled throughout this and I, <laughs> I really liked Jodie Comer in it I really liked um I can't remember what his name is the guy from um Stranger Things I think the whole thing I hated Taika oh, Waititi yeah. in it actually but I actually loved Ryan Reynolds and everything else about this um it's a really good sort of step into what if a video game came alive a la Truman Show kind of feel to <laughs> there it is, there is something quite Truman Show about it as well isn't it yeah, you know when you see how the, how the real world sort of takes to him there's something yeah. very Truman to that absolutely I, I hated I, Taika Waititi though did you yeah I found him he was quite, I found his, his presence didn't quite work in this he, he, didn't it wasn't match, funny no. It, it, no, it, it wasn't, wasn't funny, funny and it was try-hard. It was really try-hard mm. in comparison to everything else that was so bonkers and out there, seemed very effortless. And yeah. that, for me, was really jarring. But overall, a really, really strong movie. Um, yeah. And then the next movie we've got on our list as well, which I know, a solid three-star movie, I'd say, but a good fun with The Rock and Emily Blunt is Jungle Cruise. I enjoyed this. Okay, I'm just going to say, by the way, first of all, I'm taking this up to a four-star because my boy Paul G is in this. Paul Giamatti <laughs> is in this movie. Not only is Paul Giamatti in this movie, which always gets you an extra star from me, I don't care what the movie, if he wants to star in Cats 2, 
Fast and the Furriest, I don't care, because Paul Giamatti <laughs> gets an extra star. And this has also got Jesse Plemons as mad German sub-captain, mad German villain. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just mad German Jesse Plemons, I mean... But okay, what we do need to we what we do need to forget is the fact that Jack Whitehall is in this because he is terrible. The <laughs> thing is though, because we just talked about John Hanna, he is just playing John Hanna in the Mummy because this movie is, is just a straight remake of the Mummy. That's all they've done. Yeah, with this of course movie. that's is, their inventive yeah. thing with a bit of Pirates of the Caribbean. But he is just playing it the way that John Hanna played the Mummy. Is the sort of you know wet fish slapstick brother you know figure. Um, I think it's I think it's a good ride. I think it's something that you would if you want the family film for the weekend. Pick this up on DVD. Or I love that you called it a good ride because that's what it was, right? It was. It was a good ride. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if you're going to start making movies out of every bloody Disney theme park ride, I, if, if this is the low, if this is the lowest they're going to go, then great. I mean, yeah. as it stands, we actually know that the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels are as low as it can possibly go. But uh, and I am putting that as lower than Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion, FYI. But Ooh, wow. uh, Jungle Cruise, I think, is worth checking out. But you know what's very much worth checking out is Nicolas Cage in Pig, which is out. And oh my god, I adore this movie. It's so good. I don't want to tell you anything about it because the less you know, the better. I can tell you, this is Nicolas Cage like you've never seen him before. He gets everything in this movie. He is perfect cage this is cage incarnate it's such a brilliant movie it's not one of his mental ones if anything it's think of it as a really cerebral john wick i think what we'd really like to see yeah what we'd really like to see is a little bit of uh, award uh appreciation for his role in this it's very different wouldn't it be nice very unlikely but Mm. it wouldn't it be nice um but yeah i agree with you it's it's brilliant if you do want to know more about pig Go back to one of our earlier episodes. We do review it in in great detail and ban just basically fanboys massively more than he normally does on Nicolas Cage. So um, it's well hey, worth it. I drew the line recently with Prisoners of Ghostland, if you remember. Which yeah, was I chill. think you were just kind of keeping what? it balanced. Yeah, let's move on to streaming. Cool. So... Uh, <laughs> One of much controversy. I'm almost trepidatious to even discuss it nowadays. Uh, Black Widow comes to Disney Plus for all subscribers on Wednesday, the 6th of October. Next Wednesday. This, of course, Wait, coming can, on... Can, yeah. we, can we actually discuss it without a lawsuit? I'm not sure. I think we can, yeah. I think we'll be sure? the only people she's not suing. But go on. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Come on. Just wanted to check. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it, isn't it? So there's the whole lawsuit was, you know, they put this on Disney Plus Premiere Access and she felt that they had screwed her out of, you know, the, the performance bonuses that she was going to earn. And don't get me wrong, she was right, the film would have made more money. But the yeah. estimate that she gave Disney that this was going to earn, was it 1.2, I think it was 1.27, I think, billion dollars. So again, you're living in a dream world, Scarlett. You're living in an absolute dream world, darling. It was never going to happen. Not yeah, at all. Fair play to her. Try your luck. <laughs> try, try it by all means, and I hope she gets every penny she. Because it's not like she's ever going to be in any more Disney Marvel stuff anyway. And they seem to want to keep working with her because they got that haunted mansion thing on the go. Like they're remaking. Funnily enough, we were just talking about Jungle Cruise and Eddie Murphy's haunted mansion. That's yeah, that's getting not haunted mansion. Uh, oh God, what what ride is it that she's doing? Not haunted mansion. Haunted mansion is Tiffany Haddish. Uh, I was going to say, it doesn't Hansen. feel like a Scarlett Johansson one. Oh, my God. There's, there's one of the rides that Scarlett Johansson is doing a movie for right now. Anyway, that's Wednesday the 6th on Disney+. Plus. Everyone gets to stream Black Widow. On Friday the 8th, though, on Netflix, an awards contender from last year that was perfectly timed. 
albeit completely accidentally, for the onset of lockdown, for early lockdown in March last year, was of course The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, a black and white film in three by four ratio from Robert Eggers about two men in the 19th century who have to bunk up together in, a, in an old fashioned lighthouse and who steadily go mad. Yeah, this was just what we needed. Uh, in early lockdown, just what we it? needed to end the show as well I mean <laughs> this is quite a pick um, I did say to Van just before we came on air and I was like uh, Van said do you want me to swap the clips and, and play a clip for you well, and, and put one in I accidentally glossed over Black Widow haven't I yeah but you know what I was like, there surely, surely there isn't a clip for the lighthouse, and you were like, oh, don't worry, I found one. But we'll have to keep you in suspense because Van can't find one right this second, or can you? <laughs> and do you know what? Not, not only can I, but shall I? What you gonna do? Will you kill me? Will you? Will you kill me like you done that gold? I did, liar! You murdering dog! Twas ye what changed the wind on us. Twas ye what damned us, dog, twas ye! Will you do what you wished you'd done to old Winslow? Will you best me then? For Winslow were right. Thomas, you're a dog, a filthy dog, a dog! Nope, that isn't your uncle doing Amdram at <laughs> Christmas season. That is the lighthouse. My wow. flatmate and I wanted it. My flatmate and I wanted just just for, just for kicks when we started lockdown. We were going to actually set up the tripod and actually stage us doing a shot of the two of them sat across the table from each other in the lighthouse, like put it in black and white, and just be like lockdown's going well. <laughs> wow, wow, what a movie! What a way to end the show, um, guys. We've taken you on a wild ride. <laughs> we've taken you on a wild ride. We've said salut to Bond and uh, sent him on his merry way um, and I'm sure lots of you guys by the time of listening to this may have already seen it so we'd love to know what your opinions are on this there's a great selection of movies for you guys to check out also on uh, the big, the small screen this week as well and I think Van's favourite pick of the week is of course Next Door with Daniel Brawl his Birdman oh. moment oh, so. Brawl man Brawl man, man. You, thought, you thought his dancing in Falcon and the Winter Soldier was infectious you ain't caught nothing yet. You need to catch this. Oh, big time. Okay, but we'll leave you with this and all of this fantastic selection. We will, of course, be back with you next Friday as well. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>